Hey everybody, uh, this is Chad Pullins from the Bonfire Group. I'm here with my man Nick Rich. Nick, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. It's good to have you back. We're here for our second podcast um, in our podcast series on keys to effective leadership. So um, if you weren't with us last time, please go back and, and just review and listen to podcast one. Um, what we unpacked in podcast one is that there are four components to effective leadership. So if, if you and I want to be an effective leader, no matter what environment you're in, these are the four, these are the four components. One is you've got to be for me. And if you're for me, then two, the second component, you can push me. And if you push me, then three, you've got to show me. And if you show me, then four, you've got to review with me. And if you review with me, I know that you're for me. And if you're for me, you can push me. And if you push me, you can show me. And if you show me, you can review with me. So now what we're doing now in, in the, the remaining um, four parts of this podcast is we're just going to unpack each one of those. So today, Nick and I are going to spend some time talking about um, the component of effective leadership based upon are you for me? Are you for me? All right, Nick. Anything that you just want to add to that before we jump in and get started? No, I think it's I think it's a great uh, leadership circle, as it were, a, a great four part understanding to what it looks like to be an effective leader. I hate that I, I missed the last podcast, but uh, Sarah did a fantastic job with you. I, I really enjoyed listening to it and, and sharing that out there. Yeah, it's great and. You know, for you guys, as much as you guys can comment below and give us um, some feedback, email us. It's been so helpful hearing from so many of you just um, how simple and clear this was as far as effective leadership and how it's easy to apply to their life. So we're just so glad that it's helpful and would love to hear from you guys out there um, any, any feedback that, that you have. All right, so here we go. How do I know, how do I know that you're for me? Here are four keys that you can do as a leader. If you do these four things, the people that you lead are gonna know that you're for them, all right? It's super simple, but so many people don't do this, okay? Here it is, key one. If you're gonna be for me, you actually have to build a relationship with me. Sometimes as leaders, we're so focused on the task in front of us, and we're so busy in life, that we see the people that we lead as pawns on our chessboard that we need them to do things for us and we never take the time to get to know them. Do you know the people that you lead? Are you building a relationship with them? Do you know when their kids' birthdays? I mean, heck, do you know what their kids' names are? Do you know who their spouse is? Have you taken time to build relationship with them? Do you guys go out to lunch? Like, is there a, a, a hobby that you practice together? Do you take the time to say hello to someone when they come into the office? Here's a simple example. So I have a guy um, named Matt. He's my number two where I am serving and one of my, uh, one of my ventures I'm a part of, um, Crossroads Church. And just an amazing guy. His birthday was a couple of weeks ago. And Matt is so relational. Um, I'm not. It doesn't come natural to me whatsoever. 
but I know that he is. I know that he values it, that he values thought. And so I was just thinking about how can I honor him for his birthday? So I decided I would take him out on a progressive lunch. Like me personally, I would never do that, but I know Matt would enjoy it. So we went out for appetizers and there, as we ate chicken wings, we talked about all the past things that have happened in our lives, all the memories that we've made together. And then we went to another restaurant for the main course and we talked about what's presently going on in our lives. And then we went for dessert and talked about what the future might hold for our lives together. Now, my hunch is, is that after that, Matt feels the relationship being built that's there. And my hunch is that he's going to believe even more um, after that time together that I'm for him, right? So you, you just, you've got to be, if you're gonna be for people, you've got to build relationship um, with them. Um, Nick, anything you want to add in the midst of that? Yeah, I think often we fall into the trap of being a, a general instead of a squad leader. You know, I, I spent a good bit of time in the military. I'm still in the military uh, now as, as a chaplain instead of an enlisted soldier. But as a soldier, it didn't really matter about what the general thought. Like, the general just issued orders, you know. He would, he would give orders, and you, you, you never really got to know him. But the leadership that we did know was a squad leader. And it made all the difference in the world if you knew that your squad leader was for you. And the only way you really knew is if he built relationship with you. So good. And, and I've seen so many different ones. Some squad leaders, they spend no time with their squad outside of uniform. And, and when they do that, they don't, when they don't know them, they, they don't have good esprit de corps. They don't have good relationship. And it, it totally affects the amount of work that gets turned out and the attitude with which the work gets turned out. And when you're going to war together, you've got to know that that guy is actually for you. And the only way you know is if he's actually building relationship with you. Uh, parenting, same thing, like leading kids. When, you, when you're leading your kids, when they wake up in the morning, do you just send them straight for the cereal or do you ask them, how did you sleep? Did you give them an opportunity to feel like you care about them? Just little things like that. There's always opportunity, but if you don't build that relationship, it's almost impossible to know that, that you're for me. Yeah, so good, Nick. I, I, I love those, those couple of analogies that you bring out. And just, just a couple last things about this first key uh, to being for someone is we need to look at what we're going after as going to battle. Whether you lead a church or whether you lead a business, um, whether you lead a nonprofit, um, what you're doing, it is war. And in order for you to maximize the productivity and the territory you can conquer, everybody needs to be on the same page. And people, at the end of the day, for them to give you their best, they've got to feel like you want the best for them. And that's in building relationship. And just the last thing I would say is, you know, we here at Bonfire, we just think Jesus is, Jesus is the best leader um, on the face of the planet. That, that he's the best at everything. He's the best bartender. He's the best baker. Like, like he's the best fisherman we know. Like he's the best leader that we know. And he says this, um, in his last dinner, his last meal with the people that he led, he said this to them, when you lead others, you don't lord it over them like the Gentiles do, but instead 
you serve them the way that I've served you. All he's saying is this, I was for you first. Before I ever pushed you, before I ever um, showed you, before I ever, re- I was for you. And so that's what, that's what we wanna do. And the key to that, the first key to that is you've gotta build a relationship with me. Yeah, so good. The, the second key to those we lead, knowing that we are for them, is the idea of, of rest and work. It's the fact that we, we work from our rest. We don't rest from our work. It's kind of this idea of their time. You know, as leaders, we often fall into this trap of thinking that it's our time, especially if we have employees. It's like we, we pay them, so they're on our dime, our time, and we act like it's all our time. But we need those we lead to understand that we believe in their time as well, that we are for them in that way, that their vacation is so important to us. It's one of the first things that gets put on the calendar in a given year. Do we, do we sit down with them and ensure that they know that we believe in their time? Are we going ahead and making sure that they have a good amount of time for, for lunch? That that's a priority for us? That, that their rest is a priority for us? That maybe even the hours that we're expecting them to work can be flexible if their family has different needs? You know, which comes out of what we said first, relationship is hugely important. Relationship and then understanding their time. You know, even when we think about our kids, kids work best on a schedule. And what is a schedule other than honoring the time of our children? That's, that's what it is. And so we need to honor the time of our employees, which means we're present with them when we expect them to be present. It means we're on time when we expect them to be on time. And we take vacation and we're not burning ourselves out even as we expect them to take vacation and not burn themselves out. You know what I mean, Chad? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. It's so good. I mean, the, the one of the main places that that I learned this principle was with our, our friends at 3DM a number of years ago. And they said that the first thing that they do in a given year is they put their vacations on the calendar. Those, those are the rocks in the river. Um, so if, if you're going to be for someone, right? And remember, this is the first key to being an effective leader. Then do you as a leader, the very first thing that goes in, on a calendar in December as you're looking towards the next year, do you all put your vacations on there? It communicates to the people that you lead that you're, that you're for them. And then the other thing, and Nick, you kind of hinted at this, I think it's so important, is we've got to model it for them. Right, like so many of you out there, um, like there's I think this like false pride that I need to work harder than everybody else. I need to be this like workaholic where all I do is work, 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 and I sacrifice my family and I do this and I do that, and and that's the model that we're giving to people. And I just think it sends the wrong message. What it leads is it leads to people being unhealthy. It leads them to being burnt out. It leads you being the burnt out. So. Um, being for your employees also means you being for yourself, which means that you have to model this for them. Do you have a day off? Are you, do you take it no matter what? Do you know when to put your cell phone up in the evening? Do you turn it off? Do you expect from your employees 
that they turn the cell phone off, that they don't answer the emails and even that they're present with their family. Is that an expectation? I think what happens is, is it communicates to them, hey, I'm for you, but it also sets them up to have a healthier and more whole life. Absolutely. Too often, I think we function with an Ebenezer Scrooge view yeah. of our people's time. That's good. You know, his his, his one lonely employee couldn't even get Christmas off so without good. begging, right? But when we ensure that our that those we lead have the time they need to rest, we're not just blessing them. We have to remember that that we are actually as a leader, as a boss, as an employer, we are controlling an entire economy. And so we bless their children if we give them an extra day off. And so often we forget that we're in charge of how much time children and wives and husbands get to spend with their parents and spouses. And we have this bare minimum view of holidays. Like we have, we have six holidays on our schedule instead of, instead of 15. You know, be that kind of leader that is looking out. Nothing says I'm for you than I'm looking out for your family's time. I'm honoring your family's time. That's so good, Nick. And just just one last thing, it just came to my mind, I think it's a great example. Like some people think like, oh, if I do that, I'm gonna lose money, right? right. right? Just look yep. at Chick-fil-A. Last time I checked, guys, Chick-fil-A's not losing any money. <laughs> no, sir. And, and what are they? They're the only fast food restaurant that is closed one day a week. So I just think it's important for us not to have a scarcity mentality in this, yep. but an abundant mentality. So I, I love those thoughts, man. That's so good. All right, just a reminder, here were the first two keys. First two keys to being for me is you got to build a, relation, a relationship with me, and you've got to create space for me to work from my rest, not rest from my work. You've got to have time for me to have vacation planned, and I've got to have time off during the week for me to, for me to know that you're for me. Here's the third key. The third key is this is if you want to be for the people that you lead, you've got to know how they are wired. It amazes me, right, at how many leaders are so good experts at the product or the service that they offer. I mean, they know it inside and out. But when it comes to knowing how the people they lead are wired, they're failing miserably. We need to be students of the people that we're leading. We need to know what kind of personality they have. So for us here at Bonfire and the various organizations that we all lead, we turn to things like the Myers-Briggs personality. We've all been trained in how to um, understand Myers-Briggs, as well as to know how to lead people from how we're wired to get the best out of them. What we don't understand sometimes as leaders is this, is that your personality as a leader can be the very thing, if you don't know, that can send someone that you lead, their personality, into getting the worst out of them instead of the best. What I'm getting at is this is sometimes leaders, your personality clashes with the people that you lead and you assume that they've got a problem when the real issue is you haven't taken time to learn how they're wired and how your personality affects them and how you need to lead from a place to get the best out of them instead of the worst. And so if you're going to be for the people that you lead, you've got to take the time to learn how they're wired to get the best out of them. And 
one of the reasons why we put relationship first is these two things have to work in sync. Mm. They have to work together. You have to have that relationship with them in order to really learn how they're wired and what drives them. Because the truth is we cannot expect the same results from everyone based on one sentence of command or order or direction. We have to know how to instruct different people differently. We have to be ready for when something didn't go right at the house that morning when they came into work. And that's going to affect every different person differently. We have to honor the fact that some people are going to come to a meeting with different expectations of how much personal time is going to be needed in that meeting than others. Some are only going to want to get down to the facts and we need to help those people understand that there are other people in the meeting that want a little bit of relationship before we get to the to the brass tacks, you know? Yeah, so good, so good, Nick. It's very helpful. I'm just reminded of um, a young woman, probably one of the most gifted leaders I've been around, used to be on our team here before they moved to Pennsylvania. And um, she was an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs, which that first letter means I means introvert, or you can be an extrovert. And just really simply, um, introvert and extrovert is all about how you recharge and how you take in and process information. So extroverts are solar powered. They recharge from the outside and they're verbal processors. Whereas introverts, they're battery powered. They recharge from the inside and they process internally. And so the worst thing that you can do if you're an extrovert is to expect an introvert to process verbally with you through something. They need time to process. And so one of the ways that I just had to learn to, to serve um, Becky in this was if I needed something where I wanted her best, the last thing I'd want her to do is to think on her feet. What I would actually say is, hey, Becky, here's something I'm thinking about. Why don't you take a couple of days because I really value your strategic thinking and I, and I want to get your perspective. Can you take a couple of days and think about this, then come back to me with the clarity that you have so that I can process with you? And what I'm doing there is I'm just serving her inner personality and setting her up to win. And so I just think it's so important that if you're going to be for the people that you lead, you've got to, you've got to have some sort of tool, no matter what tool it is, there's a ton out there of knowing how your people are wired, how your personality affects them, and how can you get the best out of them um, by allowing them to operate in their sweet spot and not as a liability. It's so good. I mean, just that little example of like thinking on your feet, you know, it's not an insult. Some people aren't their best on their feet. Some people need that time. And at the end of the day, if I'm giving them that time, I'm getting the best, you know? And I think we said on the last podcast, like people are our business. No matter what product we sell, people are our business. Um, so, so good, Chad. The, the, the last one, number four, is really simple in a way, but you know, the simple things are the ones we, we often miss and the ones that can be the most dynamic when it comes to change. But number four is, is team time. So when you get relationship down and you're working from your rest, not resting from your work, and you're learning how people are wired, just a really simple thing that you can start tomorrow is the idea of team time. A few minutes at the beginning of the day when you can bring your team together as a leader and remind them 
that you're in the people business. Remind them that they are what you're after. Their best is what you're after. Uh, another way to say it is it's important to bring people into the story of the organization. Every person, every country, every company has a story. And a moment at the beginning of the day is just a beautiful opportunity to bring people into the big picture of what it is to be a part of your specific organization, be it business, church, whatever. You're bringing them into the story and you're telling them that you're for them. You know, it's one of the easiest ways to help people know that you're for them is to tell them that you're for them and do it every day. And it's amazing. You're, it's amazing how many leaders don't do it. Right, like, like some of y'all who are listening, you walk into the office and you're so consumed with so much that's going on that you just go right to what you have to do. Or it's a little hello here, or hey, how you doing, this or that. And when you take the time, I mean, honestly, we're talking at most 20 minutes. When you take the time to get everyone together in the room to say, let us just be reminded, this is who we are and what we're fighting for. Like the synergy that takes place when people leave that room is absolutely critical. Like I would even argue that you'll get more done losing that 30 minutes from doing tasks, whatever they is, and instead, building relationship and team with everyone than if you don't have that time. Like, I'm just astonished at it. And, and honestly, leaders, I would just say this, just test it. Like we say all the time here at Bonfire, just test it. If, it's, if it doesn't work, you can always go back to what you're doing. Take 15, 30 minutes every morning, get your team together, Remind them that you're for them. Remind them who you are. Remind them what you're fighting for. And just see if after three months, there's not more life within the office. There's, there's not more buy-in that you have with people. If there's not more community happening within the people that you lead. Even, even in your family, even in the smallest organization, which really builds out into all the others, right? Even in your family, if you'll take just 10, 15 minutes in the morning, and again, here at Bonfire, we believe that Jesus is the greatest leader, right? He is the leader of our family. So we just want to take 10, 15 minutes in the morning and sit down and remind ourselves that, that he's the leader and, and let him remind us that he's for us. So it, it's super simple. But when we do it, our family walks together into the day with cohesion as part of a bigger story. And it's just, it's such a fantastic way to let my children know, to let my wife know, to let me know that our leader, Jesus, is for us. And so we launch out into the day. No, it's great, Nick. It's great. So, hey, just, just to recap, everybody, here, here are the four keys to, know, to letting the people you lead know that you're for them. One, you build a relationship with them. Two... You make sure that work is flowing out of rest, that you work from your rest, you don't rest from your work. Three, the third thing is, you take the time to study your people, to learn how they're wired, to learn how their personality is, to get the best out of them. Then the fourth thing is, is to have some team time with the people you lead, some time to come together each day to be reminded who you are 
and what you're fighting for. And, and you know, guys and gals, I'm just telling you, like, if you'll do those things, the people you'll lead will know that you're for them. Now, just, just two last things as we're closing up, all right? One is some of you are thinking, well, it's too late, right? I'm too far down the road. I can't go back. Like, I've just blown it. It's never too late, yeah. all right? It's never too late to start this, I promise you. That's a lie. It's never too late. So you can start it tomorrow. And the second thing is, is some of you are saying, well, I'm just not good at that stuff. It's going to feel rehearsed or it's going to feel forced. Here's the, here's the deal. It doesn't matter. We're not perfect examples. We're living examples. And we don't do these things perfectly. I mean, as Nick's sharing about his family, I'm thinking, man, I've got so much work to do to be reminded of that with my family. And as the summer's here, I've got, to, I've got to figure out what that looks like for us. We're always a work in progress. Here's the key. The key is this. You as a leader, you've got to fight for it. And if you fight for it, we just believe that God will work in you in a way that he can bring the breakthrough for the people that you lead that they're going to know that you're for them. You're for them. All right, you guys. Nick, thanks so much for today, man. Yeah, it was great. It's been great to be together. We look forward to being with you guys next time. And in, in the third piece of this series, we're going to be looking at, now that you're for me, how do you push me? That's the next podcast, How Do You Push Me? Stay tuned. Look out for it. It'll be out um, next month. And we look forward to getting all of your all's feedback there. You can go to our website at thebonfiregroup.org. We'd love to hear from you.